You are a miracle. Thank you, Sheila. Lovely prelude. Thank you for being here this morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. And we have a wonderful cast of characters in the best sense of the word for you here this morning. Um, so glad that you're here to be part of that cast. Um, Pastor Chris is going to bring us the message this morning. Pastor Tom is leading us and serving communion. And it should be a wonderful morning. Ron and Jim are back here as almost always. And um, we also have a brass quartet here this morning uh, for playing prelude and postlude this morning. Uh, Bruce and Arnie and Annie and Julia. There they are. And Annie and Julia are two of our scholarship winners. So, um, so glad that you're here to um, enjoy with us, worship with us, and please give a listen to our brass quartet. You know, thank you uh, for the gift of that music. I, I just had a, I had a flashback, and in my age, flashbacks can be kind of dangerous, but uh, I went back to when I was in high school and was playing trumpet and was playing for the Easter service, and in my life, I've never been more afraid. So thank you very much for that gift. That was really... <laughs> obviously, I still have issues I'm working through there. Anyways, good morning. It's good to be with you this day. I'm so glad you're here. I'm grateful for our congregation that is out there worshiping with us right now. Hello, granddaughter Vivian that's out there right now watching. So uh, it's good that we can be together and that we are the body of Christ in this place. Pastor Chris is bringing us the word. We will share in the Lord's Supper, and we will be the people of God here, and grateful for that. So with joy, I invite you as you're able to stand, and we will enter into worship. We gather this morning in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Our gathering hymn is God is Here. sing to one another. It's calling us into worship.
hymn of praise we sing this morning is Come, All You People. It starts with Uya Imose Tina Matemwari. with me in a word of prayer. Beloved and sovereign God, through the death and resurrection of your Son, you bring us into your kingdom, a kingdom of justice and mercy. We pray, O oh gracious God, that you would shape our hearts to seek your will, that we may find joy living in the spirit of the joy that you wish to gift us with, that would bless the world. So it is by your spirit, give us your wisdom that we may treasure the life that has come to us from Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The first lesson is from the 13th chapter of Matthew. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but they threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. 
the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw him into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The word of the Lord. a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world of woe yet there's no sickness toil or danger in that bright world to which I go I'm going there to see my brother I'm going there, no more to roam. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. I know that dark clouds will hang round me. I know my way is rough and steep. Yet beauteous fields lie just before me Where God's redeemed their vigils keep I'm going there to see my mother She said she'd meet me when I come I'm only going over Jordan I'm only going over I want to wear that crown of glory when I get home to that good land. I want to shout salvation story in concert with 
with the blood-washed man. I'm going there to see my Jesus. I'm going there, no more to roam. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. Wonderful, soulful rendition. Thank you, Bruce. Arnie, thank you. The second lesson for today comes out of Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 31 through 39. Paul writes, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, <clears throat> excuse me, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Normally, I would gravitate towards preaching on the words of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, because I love Jesus. And I think gospel is probably my favorite category of literature in the Bible. But Romans 8 is just too much of a gem to pass up. So that's why we did the switcheroo this morning. You heard the gospel read first, and now the epistle reading that I'll be basing my remarks on. It's just too magnificent, this passage of scripture, to not dive into. Like a symphony reaching a crescendo, so does Romans 8 conclude with the words we just heard. Swelling, magnificent ending to a stunning section of Scripture. It begins, what then shall we say in response to these things? Well, these things that Paul is referring to are the previous five chapters. In those five chapters, Paul has been tracing God's redemptive activity in creation. And now Paul, based on this treatise based on this magnificent section of scripture comes to this very simple conclusion and it's the one thing that can change our life it is this conclusion an assurance 
of God's love for you. Now, this morning, I want to focus my attention on what that assurance is all about by drilling into three questions. This is the first question. What difference does this assurance make? What difference does it make? Paul's big point here is that there is a joy to be had. And if you have it, you will be enabled to face pretty much anything that's thrown at you. This sure and certain assurance sustained Paul in his journeys, in his suffering, in his witness. It was the backbone to his bold message of freedom and joy and hope. And this sure and certain assurance is this. God not only loves you now, he always has, and he always will. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, when we have this assurance at the core of our being, we are able to face pretty much any troubling circumstance. For instance, sometimes trouble happens in us. We do bad stuff, right? We, did, we weren't even aware we had the capacity to do such bad stuff. And we can become so disappointed in how we've maybe let others down, let ourselves down, let God down. I can't believe I did that. How is God going to love me now that I've made such a mess of it all? Who, writes Paul, will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, God who makes us right, and nothing can put you under God's condemnation. Sometimes trouble happens in us, but sometimes trouble happens around us. Paul addresses here the very persecution that Christians were facing in Rome and would continue to face for the next 150, 200 years. Famine, persecution, hardship, danger. Paul knows full well that when deep trouble happens around us, we tend to question God's love. How could God be so loving if he allows all this bad stuff to occur? God can't be loving, not with all this mess going on. Oh, yes, he can, says Paul. No matter how bad things get, all things work together for good. It doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. Notice he doesn't say that. He says all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. A great illustration of this in the Bible is the story of Joseph, the guy with the many-colored coat. Was it a coat? No, it wasn't a coat. It was a, it was a vestment, I'm sure. Beaten by his brothers, sold into slavery, imprisoned, prayers, years of misery, then he's gifted to interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh. And then he's appointed as a manager of the grain harvest. And his brothers come to the Pharaoh. They don't know they're speaking to Joseph. They think he's been long gone. And when he, they find out, they are embarrassed and they are ashamed and they're shocked. It's you, the guy we threw down the well? I imagine all of them with eyes downcast as Joseph looks at them and says, what you meant for evil, God used for good. 
And that is always the case. No matter what happens in you, no matter what happens around you, nothing can dislodge you from the love of God who works all things together for good. Which brings us to our second question. How does it all work together? Some say, well, if God will keep me in his love no matter what, then what does it matter what I do? What difference does my choice make if God controls everything? It's an either-or question. Either we have free will or everything is determined. Either we're responsible for our choice and the future is open and undetermined, or the future is fixed and what we do doesn't really matter. But Paul is not thinking either or. He's thinking both and. You are free, your choices matter, and you are responsible. And God uses it all, everything, the good and the bad, towards his grand purpose. God weaves his will in spite of our choices, through our choices, he weaves his will. It's a bit boggling to try and comprehend. When I was a kid, I liked to watch The Twilight Zone, Rod Sterling and The Twilight Zone. I still love that stuff. There's one episode that stands out, and it's about a guy who travels back in time, and his guide tells him, do not leave the path. There's a path. Don't leave it. Got it. Well, what does this bonehead do? He leaves the path. He steps on the wing of a butterfly, and he thinks, oh, well, sorry. Gets back on the path, goes back home to his present time and place, and everything's different because he stepped on the wing. The alphabet's different. His lineage is different. His country is different. Currency is different. Everything changed by that one small maneuver. Everything in history is interlaced in a billion different ways. You go this way by this much, it changes everything. And you know what? You and I don't have the slightest slice of wisdom necessary to compute those connections. Now, without God, that's paralyzing. But with God, it's not because all things work together in the hands of a master weaver who is weaving his intent towards a grand purpose. I think of my own life. Um, I didn't grow up in a church. My parents weren't church going. They became Christians later in my life, about age 14. That time, die was set for me and I was often partying. And my parents got a little desperate for me, I think, because they offered me the opportunity to go to a Bible school in Sweden. Now, that sounded like a great idea to me. Not the Bible part, but skiing the Alps, drinking German dark beer, meeting a Danish woman, perhaps. The deal was I had to earn money in order to pay for my trip. They would pay for the tuition. Well, I didn't do it, but I did one thing. I filled out a bunch of entry blanks to a contest that KZOK was having here in Seattle. I was at Western at the time, ending my first year, and I get a call at the end of the last semester, congratulations, Chris, 
you are the grand prize winner of the greater Seattle area. You just won a round trip ticket to London, England. So I went, found myself in a Bible school, listening to people talk about Jesus five hours a day. And frankly, it turned my world upside down. I was one of those ignorant persons who felt like uh, Christianity is for the weak, the ignorant. Little did I know, my, my understanding was nothing. Well, a week after I kind of caved in and dropped to my knees and said, okay, God, I don't know what this is all about, but I, I know I need you, um, things took a radical turn. A week later, the leadership of the school said, we think, you know, you may have gifts from your ministry, and we'd like to test that, so we'd like to put you in charge of a group. And I said, well, you need to know something about me. So I fessed up, and they did it anyway. And one ministry experience led to another ministry experience until now, 30 years of ministry later, here I stand. Now think about it. If the clash had never been formed, the basis for this contest called London Calling, if the band The Clash had never been formed, if Germans had not perfected beer, if God had not created the Alps, then I could have been a sawmill operator in Squim. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but really, who's creative enough to use my misguided motivation to drop tickets in my lap, to crack open this resistant heart, to call me into ministry, not me. I can't engineer that. I'm not that smart. Of course, along the way, I had to respond. I had to choose, and sometimes I chose very badly. And there were most always bad consequences to those bad choices. But here's what I've learned. God's ability to weave good from bad is greater than our ability to mess it up or to win it for God. Now for our third and final question, how can we become assured? Well, we find this solid confidence when we rest in the loving arms of God, when we find ourselves held by God. The God who says, I love you for, not for how morally upstanding you are, not for the talents that you possess, not for what you give away, I love you because I love you because that's who I am. And here's why this is such great news. You see, if we feel love because of what we do, we'll eventually be disappointed because we won't live up to our own expectations. If the basis of our being loved is our looks, well, when our looks fade, it can be kind of dramatic. If we're loved based on our talent, somebody else will inevitably come along with more talent and maybe send you into a tailspin. But when we know we are loved by God just because, and when our faith is open to the testimony of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to relax in the loving arms of a loving Heavenly Father. Let me close with this passage from Romans chapter 8, previous section. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. 
And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit helps us know that we are loved as beloved sons and daughters of God. The Spirit testifies that we belong to God, that we are God's children. The Spirit fills us with the assurance of God's love. Can you relax in the love of your Creator and your Redeemer? Can you just relax in that love? Are you confident that God will never leave you nor forsake you? Are you assured that there is no power on earth or in heaven or in hell that can separate you from God's love? I have a daughter with my wife. I had a daughter, have a daughter. Uh, her name is Emily, and she's now grown, 31 years old. And when she was little, um, you know, I'm thinking five or six or four, a toddler, right? She, she would come to us if she was having a bad day. And she would uh, walk into the room, kind of forlorn looking, and then she'd raise her arms like this and say, hold you, daddy. Hold you, mommy. And we would drop whatever we were doing. We would wrap her in our arms, and you could feel her relax. Hold you. My dear friends, we are held by the arms of our loving Heavenly Father. All because of Jesus, tethered to Jesus. And as we open and look to Jesus at the table, let us open our hearts to the testimony of the Spirit who assures us that we are beloved children of God, held in the love of God, and that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Pastor Chris. No matter what. I sometimes think that's the title of this song. The title is actually, I Will Not Let You Go. But it really is preceded by, no matter what, I will not let you go. And um, it's a promise, just like in the sermon, it's a promise. And so uh, I'm going to invite you to sing this with me. We'll sing this refrain twice at the beginning of the song, and it'll come back several times, and the last refrain will have a few echoes in it, so just hold strong and follow Shelah. That's the word. No matter what no matter what may come, no matter what may come, I will not let you go. Sing it again. No matter 
blown by the wind Buried in winter and frozen Remember the water that graced your head Rain in the spring that brings life from what's dead This season will pass, but my promise will remain No, no matter, matter what No matter First, and you will find righteousness for your heart, peace for your mind. I came to find you in me. You will be found no matter what. No love is for you no matter what you do it does not depend on who you are or where you have been on what you've said or what you have seen no matter what no matter what in the prayers of the church Orion do it from up here Orion we didn't rehearse that part so I'm sorry about that please remain seated he will call us in each petition each petition ends with God who will not let us go where would I be without Pastor Tom Hi, Jim, from afar. We come before you this day, O oh God, to offer our prayers. We are glad to know that the Spirit intercedes for us when we lack the words to adequately express our joy, our grief, or our concerns. Hear us, then, as we pray. God, your many promises to us are great. We are especially grateful that you have promised to never let us go. In the midst of turmoil, unimaginable loss, warfare, injustice, 
or confusion, we can rest in that word of hope. We know that all good things work together for good. Let us be hopeful as we watch for evidence of that promise, as we too do our best in all ways to work for good. God, who will not let us go, hear our prayer. You are for us. You are for your people whom you love. We have heard that word. As we share that promise with our neighbors far and near, known and unknown, make us bold to venture out in the world, not fearful of others, but reaching out to connect. Let us receive critiques of our faith as opportunities to become more faithful followers of your way, gathering all into one heart of love. God, who will not let us go, hear our prayer. Healing God, there are many in our community and beyond who suffer from illnesses, whether illnesses of body or mind, of heart or soul. Let us work together for good, leaving no one outside your grace and healing. Give us hands and heart for your healing work. God, who will not let us go, Be with all those who travel in this time. Let us find in our travel renewal and restoration, joy and illumination. May all in need of that renewal have equal access to its benefits and healing power. Let us see your beautiful world and recommit to its enduring past our time so those to come may enjoy it as well. God, who will not let us go, in all these things, we come to you, O God, trusting in your promises and in the one who also intercedes for us, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please rise up. Share God's peace with one another. and the caring and your love of being community with one another. I think you have a few things for us, Carl. I was so busy saying hi and peace and all that, I forgot that I was supposed to be here next. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Absolutely wonderful. Glad you're here. Um, we have no birthdays on our list today, so unless like you were just born or reborn. We'll skip the birthday thing for today. So Mine will be in four months. We're, we're count, okay, anyway. counting the minutes, yes. Um, the altar flowers behind us were given anonymously today. They're beautiful. Um, so if, if you would like to contribute anonymously or with your name, you're welcome to do that. There's a bulletin board out there in the hallway. September and October are wide open, so uh, feel free. Um, I know Lana would normally put on some sort of thing to show you, but just know that that's the word. The sign-ups are out there. 
Uh, summer surveys went out, the last, latest one went out last week online, and the, I think they're out there in a basket somewhere on the table. So fill those out during the coffee hour. If there's uh, something else that uh, you need to say to us, uh, give us a message, fill it out in there, put a little note at the bottom. Thanks to all of you that have filled out the surveys so far. Um, and then uh, a music announcement, surprise, surprise. Uh, Henry Lebedinsky is the new um, director of music over at St. Augustine's, the Episcopal Church up the road. And next Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, he's giving an organ recital on there. They have a fine little pipe organ over there. It's a little small pipe organ, but it's just lovely. So if you're interested in that uh, music of Bach and Bach Stahuda and Marchand and Bohm, a boom. So if you'd like to go hear that next Sunday, three o'clock over there, um, and uh, you can check with St. Augustine's for any more details than that. Um, are there any other announcements we need to make today that we hear out here? Yes, Myrna. Thank you, Verna. Yes, master of all things green and growing and beautiful. Um, thanks for that, Verna. We appreciate that very much. Um, so uh, Amy is off at the fair today. Go see her in the, in the goat barn or the chicken barn or the pig barn or somewhere over there. Um, uh, that's where she is today. And we're so glad that you're here. And uh, if there is nothing else, we'll continue with uh, Pastor Tom. Thanks, sir. It's an adventure we share in being the body of Christ in the world. It's an adventure. And it's an intimate adventure as well because the promise is Jesus says, I'm going to be with you in this act of worship and in the life that we live. So I invite you to stand as you're able as we enter into the meal that our Lord calls us to. It was in the night in which he was betrayed our Lord Jesus took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, Take and eat. This is my body. It is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And then it was again after that meal that he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it for all to drink saying, This cup is the new covenant. It's poured out on my blood for you and for all for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we share in the mystery of Christ's real presence who is here with us now and taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, Everyone is invited 
Everyone is invited to this meal, whether it's your first time here or first time in worship or whatever, you are invited. Jesus calls you, come. Take the bread, dip it into the chalice of your choice. The first one will contain wine, the second is juice, and the ushers will direct you. Please be seated. When it's all been said and done, there is just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and
I invite you, please, to stand as you're able. As Pastor Jim reminds us, we have been fed and we have been renewed for the ministry that will happen to us when we walk out these doors. I ask you to be mindful that when you come to that crossroads, when you come to that place where you know that your heart is being led to be opened to be called into ministry in that moment, know that you will not be alone. That you will receive all grace that's sufficient for being a person of faith out in this world that is bending it towards eternity. And for that, I am grateful for your presence and receive the benediction. And now, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ascending him, the Spirit sends us forth to serve. to love and serve the Lord. Look forward to seeing you in the fellowship hall. Let's go share in some time together. Thank you.